Join Dr. David Jeremiah live online this Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, streaming from Orlando, Florida, for a one-night event with musical guest Voices of Lee. Be part of this free live stream Thursday at davidjeremiah.org. When you're anxious about life's troubles, it's common to pull away from others. But it's far better to reach out with a helping hand. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at how you can rely on God's provision and share it with others to feel assured in times of chaos. Listen as David introduces the conclusion of his message, In a World of Disasters, Be Confident. You know, the Bible is filled with prophecy. Over a fourth of the Bible is prophetic. And some people don't read that part of the Word of God. They don't think it's applicable to their life. And yet, the strangest thing is, wherever prophecy exists, applications abound. And uh, there's no such thing as a prophecy without an application or um, call to action. In this particular series, based on the Olivet Discourse, there's a call to action for everything that we're talking about. Because, you see, being a light in a dark world is a call to action of itself. The world is dark. There's no question about it. And we live in a dark time um, from the standpoint of the uh, the world around us and the, and the practices and the lawlessness. And, folks, I don't have to prove that to you. So what is the call to action in all that? The Bible says we're to shine brightly as those who live in a dark world. (laughs) And uh, how do you shine in a dark world? How do you hold the light high in times of disaster? We're learning so many practical things from the Word of God. They're all from a book that has just uh, been released, founded on the Word of God. This book is a way to help you understand the Olivet Discourse in a way perhaps you've never thought of before. This is a book that teaches us how the prophecy of Jesus shapes our priorities. I've told you before that during these unsettling days, it's so frustrating to look around and see what needs to be done and wonder, what can I do? And I think maybe that's the wrong question. I think the question should be, in these days that are so frustrating, who should I be? What should I be like? How is God shaping me to be the person he wants me to be? Oh, that doesn't mean we shouldn't do anything. There's always something we can do to reach out and try to turn the tide. But more important than any of it is that we don't get off on a tangent and forget about ourselves and who we're becoming. If we do that, then the world will shape us instead of us changing the world. So that's what we're doing right now. We're talking about how we can be different in this world, in a world of disasters. How can we be confident? Tomorrow, in a world of persecution, how can we be prepared? And tonight, oh, tonight we're going to be in Orlando, Florida at the Amway Center. And we'll have all of our major team there, some special surprise uh, musicians, all kinds of beautiful visual aid material, and uh, just a great night of celebration. Michael Sanchez is so excited about these events. He will have you uh, singing at the top of your lungs and worshiping the Lord and We have a great message to share with you from the Word of God. We'll have this new book available. So don't forget, it's it's this chance for you to be with us and us to be with you in Orlando, Florida tonight at the Amway Center. Well, let's get started with um, the Thursday edition of Turning Point's Teaching in a World of Disaster. Be confident. Part 2. When God created the world, 
He designed it with a molten core of boiling magma covered by a mantle nearly 2,000 miles deep. On top of that, our surface lands and seas rest on tectonic plates. And as you know, sometimes those plates shift. According to Revelation 16:18, when the angel pours out the final bowl of wrath on this world, there will be, Revelation 16:18, a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. The ultimate end of what happens here as we know it today will be a magnificent earthquake. Now listen to me carefully. Winds come and go at random. And waves come and go at random. Much of the natural world is flexible and transitory. But the earth is not. Earthquakes are a specific sign of God's power and the creator's control over creation. What is more grounded than the ground? And that sign will increase as we move toward the end of history. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. For several years now, scientists have been warning about the possibility of superquakes. I must tell you, every once in a while, I feel something at home or I hear something shake a little bit or I wake up in the middle of the night and think, hmm, and you do it too. I wonder if this is it. I wonder if this is the beginning of it. Is this an earthquake? Now, I have got you sufficiently scared so you will listen to the rest of what I'm going to say. All right. What you need to understand is that global disasters are unavoidable. You can't stop them. You can't stop famine. I mean, individually, you can do some things to help, and we'll talk about that. But here again, I want to insert this thought. It is not about us trying to fix the circumstances. It's about the circumstances fixing us, making us better people. If we're not careful, all of this will make us shake. But the way to combat the fear of natural disaster is by supernatural discipleship, which allows the Holy Spirit to flood your life and my life with encouragement and confidence and hope. And if you'll listen carefully during these next few moments, I want to tell you some of the things that can happen to us during the days that we're living in that are not things we should turn our head away from, but we should concentrate on. First of all, we should be reminded of the confidence God gives us in his protection. From Genesis to Revelation, God is revealed as someone who watches over his people, keeping them safe in the midst of danger. Throughout the Bible, he's described in these following terms. He's our shield. He's our fortress. He's our hiding place. He's our keeper. He's our refuge. He's our rock. He's our shade, he's our shelter, and he's our stronghold. Those are pretty good words if you're looking for hope in the midst of uncertainty. The Lord told Abraham, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. The psalmist added these words, the Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? And Zechariah wrote, the Lord of heaven's armies will protect his people. Over a hundred years ago, Anna K. Scott was on a primitive mission field when an earthquake occurred. She told about it in her autobiography. She wrote, it was January 10th, 1869, and we experienced a very severe shock of earthquake. 
I had just closed my Bible class of young men and was sitting quietly reading letters from the dear home people when I heard the rumbling as of a distant freight train. And soon the house began to rock and the frail bamboo walls began to bend. And then there was crash after crash as cupboards and wardrobes and mirrors were thrown down. She said she rushed from the house to find the villagers standing paralyzed with fear. They were shaking uncontrollably and begging their Hindu gods to shush the elephant. They believed that the earth stood on the back of an elephant and an earthquake was caused by the shaking of the elephant. And it was so intense that everyone fell to the ground and Anna recalled the clock stopped and the river set upstream for a half an hour or more and the earth opened in huge cracks in the yard where they all sat rose in apparent wavelets. She and the other believers immediately pulled out their Bibles and they began reading from Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The earth doesn't rest on an elephant's back, but in the omnipotent hands of Almighty God, who tells us in his book, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. When these things happen, they point us back to the stability of Almighty God. When we realize the eternal God is our dwelling place and we're surrounded by his very real, his very powerful, his very comforting presence, we are encouraged and our hearts are full of hope. Psalm 46.2 says, Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, God is still there. So we should be confident in the Lord's protection. We pray for that a lot, don't we? We pray all the time. And you say, well, what about this? I can't answer all the exceptions. I can just tell you what I know. That the more I pray for the God that I love to protect me, the more I feel protected. And that's one of the things we do during times like this. We pray for the strength and protection of God to surround us with his presence. Confident in God's protection. And then we can be confident in God's pardon. Here's an interesting sidelight to this story. I want to read to you from Joel chapter 2. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him? Remember, this is the story of repentance. It's the story of the Philippian jailer. There was an earthquake that brought him to Christ. Remember that? In great fear, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What was that? It was the result of the earthquake. Something happens to us when we live through these events. God works in the lives of people in different ways. And oftentimes, through tragedies, through things we don't expect, people are drawn to the Lord. When something happens that we are out of control and it comes from nowhere and we aren't expecting it, what do we do? We automatically look to the one thing that at least in our hearts seems to be stable. We look to God. We don't use God when we don't need him sometimes. And if there's nothing going on like that, we put God on hold. We give him time out. (laughs) 
But when things happen like floods and earthquakes and famines, we just automatically turn our hearts toward God. People who've gotten saved as the result of things that have taken place over which they had no control. God often uses these things to bring us to repentance and to remind us we aren't the ultimate answer. There is an answer beyond us, and that answer is God. According to team member Bethany Duvall, something happened to a Mexican woman named Gabby who had married and had children while very young. She liked the streets and had no interest in her mother's Christian faith. And when Hurricane Odile devastated La Paz in 2014, Gabby's makeshift home was obliterated. But a local ministry reached out to her, provided food, and started helping victims rebuild their homes. Soon Gabby found herself making tortillas alongside a girl named Emily. And when Emily invited her to a Bible study, she decided to come. As the two studied the Bible and worked in the kitchen, the Lord dealt with Gabby's heart. And Emily later said, I really got to see how she was giving her life to Jesus and how God was transforming her. And we spent many, many days crying in my kitchen and just praying through things together. And she found Christ as her Savior and began growing in Christ. And today, she's working in leading a high school diploma program and in the kitchen of the relief agency that reached her with the hope of Christ. Knowing God and then living in Him is the best gift I have ever received, she said. That kind of sweet, simple story has been repeated hundreds of thousands of times. I don't understand how it all works. I don't have all the solutions. I know that natural disasters bring out supernatural discipleship. And God allows His people to serve those who are hurting and to speak to those needing Christ. In this way, He turns curses into blessings. Don't underestimate how the Lord can use you when difficulty descends on your community or on someone you know. I'll tell you the honest truth that during the fires that took place back in 2003, we had individuals, couples and families who literally lived in Crest during that whole time to help people get back on their feet. Would we have done anything like that had there not been a disaster? Probably not. But we did, and we don't want to miss the opportunity that God gives us when things like that happen. Number three, don't only be confident in God's protection and in his pardon, but be confident in his perspective. We place our confidence in God because he tells us how it's all going to end. We're going towards something. We're not just sitting here in limbo. We're on a journey, and there's a destination. Matthew 24 says, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And when you get to Revelation chapter 21, you read these words, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. One of the best ways you and I can communicate hope during times of disaster is to tell everybody that what we're going through is temporary. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. And the Bible tells us that we have a lot to look forward to. Let's don't forget that. That's why I think prophecy is such an important thing to preach on during times like these. To remind everybody that, yes, these are some difficult days. Natural disasters reflect the fallen nature of our world. But these calamities that we experience are only temporary. 
Each disaster reminds us that a disaster-free eternity is awaiting us, and each one inspires our hearts to long for our eternal home. You know, if we weren't so uncomfortable here, we wouldn't be so excited about looking toward heaven. God makes us uncomfortable enough so that we don't get settled down in the beauty of this world. God has something much better for us who know him. And then, not only in God's protection and pardon and perspective, but let me finish up by telling you about God's provision. In Matthew 6, in the Lord's Prayer, we read, give us this day our daily bread. And do you remember the Old Testament story about the widow of Zarephath? She used her last bit of flour and oil to make bread for Elijah. But from that moment, there was always flour in her bin and oil in her jar. God just kept providing for her. It was a miracle. Most of us are trying to tap into that miracle, but we haven't figured it out yet. Let me tell you about a family and about Daniil Kirilluk, who lives in the region of the hardest hit areas of Ukraine. Daniil is the pastor of a small church made up of his large family and about 20 others. According to the voice of the martyrs, the Russian invasion reached their area, but not their village. And Pastor Kirilluk and his wife have 10 sons and nine daughters. Wow. They decided to make bread and to share with those affected by the war. And in one night, they baked 30 loaves of bread. As people came to get the bread, the others brought flour and oil. And the more bread they made, the more flour and oil they had. All the children and grandchildren helped, bringing the total number of workers in the home to 33. Even the youngest son helped as he learned how much yeast, flour, and salt to mix. The youngest daughter needed the bread. Soon the church was producing 160 loaves per day, and more than one ton of flour was donated. A ton of bread and counting. But it wasn't only bread that was distributed. Gospel newspapers went out with every loaf, and one couple in the church with a distinct gift of evangelism shared the message of Jesus, the bread of life. If you were to see the picture of this family lined up by size, you'd praise God for such people whose hope overflows with kindness and evangelism in times of great danger, aided by God's provision. The Bible says God will provide, and how many of you know God does his best work through people? People like you and me. Sometimes I think one of the best things we can do when we're feeling a little bit anxious about what's going on in the world is to stop thinking about ourselves and look around and think about some of the people that we might be able to help if we just opened our eyes to their need if we just care enough and think about the fact that this is not just about us. This is about God using us as he used this family in Ukraine to help people in need. And this is not a time for those of us who are followers of Jesus to cling to our possessions. I don't want to get too specific here, but I know that one of the things that happens when you go through a time like we're going through right now of uncertainty is to say, whew, i got to start conserving my income. And some of you probably say, I can't give that money to the church anymore because, man, i got to take care of this. What will happen? That's the worst thing you can do. If you take God out of your equation, you're on your own. Don't take God out of the equation when you need him the most. That's really not very smart. But we need to manage the resources God gives us to help other people. Can you imagine the joy that comes to your heart when you're able to help somebody who's really in need. Now, I know, hey, everybody says, yeah, but you're going to get ripped off and people are going to deceive you. And, you know, you know, that's not my problem. 
My problem is to do what God wants me to do and be an instrument of help and hope in a time when there isn't a whole lot of that waiting around. And the world is not going to do that. The world's going to hoard. The world's going to grab everything and cling to themselves. But if you're a Christian, you can't do that. If you're a Christian, you've got to say, Lord, there's a need out there. Show me what I can do. Maybe you can make some bread. I don't know how he uses you or how he uses me, but I know what the Bible is teaching us is that in this time of life, going through the uneasiness and the anxiety and the angst of all the stuff that seems to be falling apart around us, this is the time for you and me as believers to stand up strong and be the people of God we were called to be in the first place. Let's make a difference in our culture. Let's don't complain about it. Let's let the culture make us better and quit worrying about changing the culture. Because if we do that, God will use us like you will not believe. We are living in a time of great opportunity to serve him because the need is so great. Find somebody who needs your help this week and help them. And see if God doesn't bless you in the process. Oh, what a challenge that is to my life, and I hope it is to yours. How do you live in a time like this? How do you know what to do? I don't think I've ever said, Lord, I don't know what to do more than I've said in recent years. 12-year-old Jacob Smith stood atop an 11,000-foot mountain in Big Sky, Montana. He was about to free ride a triple diamond rated slope. Now, if you don't know what that means, let me explain it. Free riding is when a skier tackles a mountain without following a defined path just a person gliding through the trees and the rocks and the ridges. That's free riding. Now, why anybody would want to do that defies my imagination, but that's a sport. And this 12-year-old boy hurtling down professionally rated ski slopes without following a trail is impressive, but there's something else you need to know about this story that takes it to another level. Jacob Smith can't see. His vision is technically 2,800 which is four times the level at which a person is declared legally blind. You say, Pastor, you're making this up. No, I am not. On a chilly morning in Big Sky, Montana, Jacob became the first legally blind skier to complete that legendary run. And he doesn't stop breaking barriers. At 15, he's well on his way to becoming a professional in this sport that he loves. How does he do it? Well, according to Jacob, he has a secret, and I want you to listen carefully. The secret is his father, Nathan. On every run, Nathan speaks to his son over a two-way radio. And when Nathan describes the terrain, Jacob visualizes it in his mind. And when Nathan tells his son to make a turn or to move in a new direction, Jacob obeys instantly. One interviewer asked Jacob how much he trusts his dad. He said, I mean, enough to turn right when he tells me to. (laughs) And I want to just ask you, is that not what we're into? We're going down a hill. We have no idea where the path is. We're going through trees and stumps and rocks. But here's the good news. Our Father is in our ear, and He tells us what to do. And listen to me. If He tells you to turn right, turn right. If He tells you to give somebody something, give it to them. Listen to your father because there's no way for me to tell you where this is all going. I don't know where the path is downward. I just know we're free riding, but we're not alone because we've got the almighty God who created the mountain in the first place. And he's telling us what to do. And if you believe that, if you really believe that God is in your heart and he's in your ear, 
You won't go to bed at night and not be able to sleep because of what's happening. Because you'll know tomorrow when you get up and you start to go down the mountain again, God is with you. And he'll tell you what to do. If you trust and obey, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about persecution uh, from Matthew 24, verse 9. And you say, well, that's not about us. We aren't, you know, <laughs> have you uh, been watching? Have you been, have you been listening? Um, persecution may not be in the living room, but it's knocking at the door. And I know many Christians right now who are paying a pretty high price for their faith. And they don't live somewhere else. They live here. It's more difficult to be an outward Christian than it's ever been before. We're going to learn about that tomorrow. There's some exciting things in this next section. So be sure and join us. In the meantime, don't forget to ask for your copy of the book, The World of the End, when you send your gift to Turning Point this month. It will be sent to you right away. And uh, we hope you'll join us tomorrow for the next edition of Turning Point. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Drop us a note if this ministry is encouraging you. Send it to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., B4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's powerful new book, The World of the End, How Jesus' Prophecy Shapes Our Priorities. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Just search for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The World of the End, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. The Bible contains chilling prophecies about the end times, but right alongside is the news that Jesus has overcome the world. In his new book, Dr. David Jeremiah instructs us how to put Jesus' prophetic teaching into practice. And when you support Turning Point this month, Dr. Jeremiah will send you your very own copy. Gifts of $75 or more will receive the World of the End study set, and you'll receive the premium set for gifts over $100. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. A story is told about the great artist Leonardo da Vinci. He had a terrible argument with a friend, after which he returned to painting The Last Supper. 
He was trying to paint the face of Christ, but he could not. He was still so angry toward his friend. So he put down his brushes and paints and went to his friend to seek forgiveness, which he received. Only then was he able to return and continue painting. There is never a time to harbor anger. Our standard is what the Apostle Paul wrote. We are to forgive and seek forgiveness just as God forgives us. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons to forgive on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.